What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday, far too many to keep up with along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry, this show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts. That's safety scissors, Stompy. I'm no longer allowed to be around sharp objects. That's correct. That's that's probably a good policy just in general. Um, but, but at least we're, now we're there. <laughs> uh, I Now we're officially there, that is. I am John QB Hubris Hogue. And this is the Super Flex Super Show. With the with free agency coming up and the quarterback position being, I mean, this has got to be the deepest the free agent class has ever been at the quarterback position, right? I don't remember a free agent class that looked like this. Yeah, I mean, the last time that we had such a big name at quarterback uh, as a free agent was Peyton. FM. PFM 2012, I believe. That sounds right. So, uh, two Broncos fans here to uh, to reminisce about those days. It was a fun time when the Broncos were were courting Peyton Manning. It was also like it was it was kind of stressful mm-hmm. because you know it, it felt like uh, there was a good chance he was going to go to the Tennessee Titans. You know, he had that Tennessee connection. He got off the freaking the uh bob mcnair's uh private jet wearing that volunteer orange sweater and i was like oh man this is over um and then out of nowhere kind of the the you know the san francisco 49ers came along uh the houston texans were involved um and you know this entire time we got to just kind of imagine what this offense would look like with peyton manning and uh just just the excitement and uh you know just just the dream of of bringing in Peyton Manning and then it happened and you know uh, shatters all kinds of offensive records mm-hmm. goes to two super bowls wins one so anyway somebody's somebody's going to it, it, uh, probably a, a few NFL teams are going to go through something very similar this off season and i'm I guess Kirk Cousins was what 2 years ago so that was kind of a Let's watch and see what happens because I believe the Broncos were in the hunt there too, but they just decided yeah. to pick the pick the former Viking, which didn't end up going well. <laughs> yeah, that didn't go well. Although, I mean, if you ask Vikings fans, a lot of them probably feel like they should have just stayed with Case. But uh, now like, we now we have Shermer too, so suck it, Vikings fans. <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just picking you guys apart. Now let's uh, now let's go get Stephon Diggs. Ooh. And uh, just call it a day. <laughs> um, 
By the way, you said hubris, and every time I hear hubris, I think of the league. Yeah, vaginal <laughs> hubris by <laughs> by Taco. Yeah, and that's yeah. the only thing I think of anytime I hear hubris. But mm-hmm. um, I guess I guess we can transition here to <laughs> that's that's our segue. Yep. Yeah, but no, I yeah. know I, I was going to say I being excited about a Broncos quarterback. I haven't been as excited as I am twenty twenty. Um. Since they signed Peyton Manning, um, yeah, with Drew Locke, so yeah, I actually, I think, but I actually but the agree. the idea behind this episode being that we will we want to we want to go through each and every roster, uh, each and every QB depth chart, and talk about how confident we are we are in them, um, and if they're incomplete, say like the New England Patriots with Tom Brady being a free agent, uh, what we think would be best for that that roster and, and, and those skill positions. And, and we'll start with the AFC West. Obviously uh, you and I are both Broncos fans here with drew lock. Um, like I said, I feel, I feel very confident, but I, I want to see how you feel about drew lock going into 2020. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. So this is the first time that you and I get to podcast together for super show in, in quite some time actually. And uh, so we haven't had a chance to catch up on this because um, for a long time there, it was, I mean, you, you, you kind of, you were on board with Drew Locke almost immediately mm-hmm. after the pick. Uh, I hated it. Um, I, I thought it felt to me like the exact same process that led them to Paxton Lynch. And I, I, I mean, I, I still believe that. I, I still think they were looking for the same things that they were looking for when they found Paxton Lynch and moved up into the first round to take him. And I, 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 I believe that. I also believe that they weren't as excited as Drew about Drew Locke as they actually were about Paxton Lynch. I mean, they let several picks go by. You know, they first of all they traded down from the tenth pick to the to the twentieth pick in the first round, and then didn't take Drew Locke there either. Then we get into the second round. They. And uh, with their first second round pick, they also did not take Drew Locke. And then they had to trade up for that third uh, for their third pick in that in that 2019 draft to finally take Drew Locke. Like it, it doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence the way they managed that draft. So, you know, it, it felt like this is just another Paxton Lynch. It felt like, you know, they they found their big dumb quarterback who you know they so they can say that they're trying to develop a quarterback but you know ultimately it's just it's not going to happen again but Drew Lock got on the field and we saw something completely different we saw somebody uh, he's got mobility which you know again Paxton Lynch what they saw was a big mobile quarterback with a big arm they saw that with Drew Locke too. The difference is Drew Locke is using that mob- mobility to to extend the play and to get the ball down the field. Like he's he's not looking to just tuck and run. Paxton Lynch, it was almost like he just had this timer in his head of how long he can hold the ball before he's allowed to just take off and run. Like it feels like that was the the coaching uh coming out, but with with Drew Locke, he's you know when he rolls out, it's it's generally to extend the play, and he's always looking down the field to throw the ball. So, 
Um, it, it's it's just a it's night and day between the two quarterbacks. Even though John Elway saw the exact same thing, what he actually got is the the exact opposite with Drew Locke. So now all of a sudden you've got a very talented, uh, big-armed quarterback who has the ability to you know, to, to still make plays outside of the pocket without necessarily just taking off and running. You've got weapons all over the place, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, you know, and, and uh, obviously Philip Lindsay out of the backfield. I think they still like Tim Patrick quite a bit, actually. And uh, Deshaun Hamilton out of the slot and $61 million in cap space to work with here in free agency and 11 draft picks to, you know, to build up, it, it, he also, he, he made that offensive line look a lot better than Joe Flacco did as well. All of a sudden the offensive line doesn't seem like as much of a problem either. So there's just, you know, it, everything just kind of falls into place when you find that quarterback. And we saw that with the Kansas city chiefs as well. You know, all of a sudden they can play defense and they can, you know, they can, they can stop the pass rush and, and, you know, all of a sudden they've got wide receivers everywhere and, and um, you know, the, the running game can't be stopped regardless of who it is, whether it's Kareem Hunt or Damian Williams, the, um, Spencer Ware, all of a sudden, all of it works once you find that quarterback. And it looks like the Denver Broncos have that. So I've got full confidence in Andrew Locke. And uh, I listened to you last week on the Super Show episode. Um pick him as basically your your breakout your second year breakout quarterback which is exactly where i've been at for you know the last several months with this as well um so obviously you and i disagree with the pick just in terms of i mean i don't i disagree that it was the same process just because pat with paxton lynch i think his mobility defined him Mm-hmm. Whereas with Drew Locke, his arm talent defines him, and he he is able to move around in the pocket, like you said. I mean, unlike Joe Flacco, who is basically a statue at this point, Drew Locke can actually move around in the po- pocket, make that offensive line look better. Yeah. Um, and 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 the so I, I think that's different in the process. They also played in I think very different schemes. One catered towards Paxton Lynch and his mobility, who has a raw talent at passing, whereas uh, Drew Locke played in a more passer, passing-friendly or traditional quarterback type of uh, offense in college. So we got a better idea of who he can be as a quarterback, especially that junior season. Um, but I think the other part of this was that and I think where this is where John John uh, Elway learned a lot more is not reaching because I think I, I well I know a lot of people had first round grades for Drew Locke especially in that class where not not the strongest quarterback class but definitely not weak because Daniel Jones going <laughs> going sixth overall which doesn't look to be as bad of a pick but point still stands allowing not not only not picking him at the tenth pick but trading back. And then trading back again, and then trading, and then and then finally trading up when he f- had fallen so far into the second that it was worth the risk there because that means that you don't have to ha- uh, you don't have to give him that fifth year option. You don't have to pay him nearly as much. So I think 
I, I get it where a lot of Broncos fans were concerned about the process and picking quarterbacks, and he is bigger and has a big arm. But I think John Elway learned his lesson um, with Brock with Brock Osweiler and Paxton Lynch in patience and and not picking that super raw talent. And I think Drew Locke demonstrated that he's not as raw when it comes to uh, being a quarterback in college. Um, but moving on to what we saw from Drew Locke, I mean, f- four and one as a starter, didn't throw a ton. He did have 40 passes in that game against Kansas City, which he didn't look great. He also didn't look awful, awful, but he didn't look good. But other than that, I mean, seven seven touchdowns to one interception. Uh, his passer rating was 89.7, which is fantastic for a rookie, and especially in his, in his first five games. And like you mentioned, his weapons around him. I mean, Cortland Sutton took a monster step and could eventually be a top 12 uh, fantasy or top 12 wide receiver, especially in fantasy, but one of the top wide receivers in the game. Uh, Noah, Noah Fant came on at the end of the season, especially with Drew Locke, showed a lot of flashes of that potential. And he's only year one as a tight end, and nobody really expects much from tight ends in year one. So you're going into year two where he has a better quarterback. He he should have learned some things. Um, And then he has good pass. I mean, Tim Patrick is a good pass catcher. Deshaun Hamilton's a good pass catcher, but a lot of the rumor or a lot of the mocks right now, and I know we can't trust mocks in terms of the NFL draft are looking at like guys like Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy, um, which are giving him a, another weapon at wide receiver. And if that is the case, this, this wide receiver class is actually relatively deep. So I don't think they necessarily have to go with wide receiver in the first round. Um, but they could get one in the second. Like, let's just say Tyler Johnson falls on to day three. I think that would be actually a legitimate pickup because we have guys like Von Miller who have already gone through kind of their their own situations as young guys in the NFL who can be mentors to guys like Tyler Johnson who are having off-field or have concerns about off-field issues. But I, I think they do pick up a wide receiver in this draft whether it be in the first two rounds or not, if it's in the first two rounds, they obviously feel good. But if it's somebody like Jerry Judy, I feel a pretty great about those pass catchers there, which makes me feel even more confident in Drew Locke heading into the season. Obviously, like John mentioned, I am. Um, I think he will be a QB one in terms of fantasy next year, just because of those weapons, because he showed some great progression, in ter- especially in terms of reading the field, which was a major. Uh, knock on him coming into uh, coming into the NFL still has some things to work on like footwork and and pass timing but those steps he took this season already in terms of reading the field and making the decisions he did and there were some throws that looked fantastic because of how he read those throws and he's got that strong arm so he can throw outside the hashes there's just I think it's him reaching out to Peyton Manning and, and some work that he can do in the offseason, I think he can take that next step forward. I feel really, really good about Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos this season. And, and like, I don't think – I think Cortland Sutton could probably take a step forward. I think Noah Font or Noah Fant could take a step forward. And I think if they get somebody like Jerry Judy, I, that's going to help Drew Locke um, next year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. So, I guess, bottom line it here. So, I mean, I guess – the kind of the one hesitation, you know, just to kind of play devil's advocate, because I think we're on the same page with Drew Lockett at this point. 
Um, but I, I think that the hesitation a lot of people have is, well, twofold. Number one, we didn't see a lot of Drew Locke. I mean, what was it the the final five or six games of the of the season? Um, and and number two, in the limited time that we did see him, you know, he had the one monster game at Houston. Uh, he uh, he had. Uh, several early touchdown passes against the Chargers. But, I mean, it, it was a lot of it, – it, it wasn't a lot of fantasy production. Um, I, I don't know if that – does that concern you at all? I mean, the fact that we – he's still kind of unproven and unknown at this point for fantasy purposes. I mean, we're not talking about Patrick Mahomes here. Like, Patrick Mahomes is kind of a – I'm going to say a stupid goddamn phrase here, a generational talent. But – um, but we're, I mean, so you can't expect Patrick Mahomes out of him, but the mm. fact remains is that they didn't throw very often. So that, that definitely helps. I think the identity of this team is going to be running the ball more, but, uh, he was a rookie coming into a system that he didn't really know. And I'm sure they took it a little bit easy on him and tried to protect him a bit, but, Going into this season, he is the starter. You have Pat Shermer, who um, li- actually likes to throw the ball. I believe uh, I, it was top. He was top ten in the league as an OC and a head coach um, in terms of passing attempts. Six out of twelve seasons, top half of the league in ten out of twelve seasons. So they're going to throw the ball. But he was a rookie, so I. I for those who are expecting monster numbers from a rookie, that generally doesn't happen, especially at quarterback. And I think he was the QB 18 in those last five games, which is not bad for a rookie and getting a full off season as the starter, uh, hopefully getting better, not only on the offensive line, but in the skill positions as well, I think, and, and gaining the trust of Pat Shermer and um, Mike Shula, I think he's going to step up and be able to throw 30 plus times a game and be a fantasy, a, a good fantasy asset. I mean, Let's let's be reasonable here. Like in Superflex, I don't think you're super confident as your QB one with him, just because there are questions. But I'm very confident as my, with him as my QB two. And like I said, I think he will be a QB one by the end of the season. Yeah, I kind of do too. Uh, in uh, Trade Attic Six, uh, I had just the the worst team in the league uh, by far. I did the thing that I hate doing. Um, I actually traded up in, in the startup. Uh, to take Saquon Barkley, uh, to you know, to go running back instead of taking Pat Mahomes, and just uh, my team instantly went into total rebuild. Um, but I did end up with Drew Locke, uh, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, and uh, so just for the guys in the TA six league, j- let's just let's just put the cards on the table here. Breaking up that stack is going to be very very difficult, very very expensive because. Uh, to me, that it, it, it's not even you know as a Broncos fan, it's it's not just that. It's the fact that first of all, I I do believe this with with Drew Locke. This feels like the this feels like the guy who makes that second year jump. Um, you know, it, not necessarily to the extent that we've seen the last three years from Carson Wentz, Pat Mahomes, and then Lamar Jackson. Uh, but uh, you know, a big enough jump. And he's going to bring those weapons with him. You know, they're they're going to benefit from uh, the the breakout season that Drew Locke is you know likely to have here. 
And that's the way that my team gets turned around is with that stack. Um, you know, the having having the top two weapons um, for the, that breakout quarterback and, you know, kind of double dipping on those points. That's that's going to be a pretty powerful stack and it's going to be one that's going to be hard to move on from. So um, that's enough roster on your end. We need to move. I, I can't here. I can't stop. It's it's just it's too good for a team yeah. that only won two games. Fair enough. I get one, it. one of them was against you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think I eliminated you. Not great either. So it's fun. How is how is every team so bad in that league? Except for like, know, like Jay Mike I and Bill Madden. Power is all consolidated at the top, and we're just like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. J Mike and Bill Latin have just like juggernauts, and everyone else is mm-hmm. just kind of meh. Um, right. but yeah, let's, let's we move, on. move on. We, we <laughs> wait too much time on the <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we, we, we oh, can do an entire podcast. Like Kansas city. We don't really need to talk about it. It's Patrick Mahomes. He's going to make it work. Whoever he has, he has Travis Kelsey. He has Tyree kill. He has Nicole Hardman going into a second season and probably Damian Williams is coming back. If not, they're going to pick a running back. So we don't have to worry about Kansas city. So we're going to skip over them. Let's go to the Chargers because they're in flux right now. Yeah, this is one of them that I think we're going to have to come back to, actually, because they're, I mean, they get an incomplete right now. Yep. Uh, Like, it looks like Tyrod Taylor is probably the bridge quarterback to something. Like, is it Tua? Is it Justin Herbert? I mean, they could also sign a free agent. So, yeah, they're going to be in that that pool of teams that's, uh, and, and actually so are the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're going to have to come back to. Uh, so, a lot yeah. of a, a lot of mock drafts right now have because the uh, the Chargers pick um, they have the sixth they have the sixth pick. Mm-hmm. God damn it, CBS with your automatic play videos is stupid assholes. Um, <laughs> and they have the CBS mock has them picking Justin Herbert. I would not be surprised being them being in the top six picks. It looks like Joe Burrow and then Tua goes to Miami and then Justin Herbert goes to the Chargers. Of course, there's also uh, um, Love. Is in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, Love Love uh, as a QB is there as well. So, yeah. but yeah, I, I don't think you can expect them to bring in a quarterback and start him right away. Uh, Tua with his hip is an issue. Um, I would think that Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor is that bridge unless they some for some reason go for go for a um a quarterback in free agency guys like Teddy Bridgewater are out there um we'll see what um what happens with the uh oh my god I just forgot his name Colts Brissett Kobe Brissett um Jameis Winston is still out there and I think they somewhat have a window here um, if they re-sign Eckler, and I personally think they need to go into rebuild, but that defense is is good enough right now, and if they make one more signing, they have the weapons. So Keenan Allen is there for one more year. Mike Williams is still on his rookie contract. They have Eckler and Jackson there. I think they could have a window here where they they could win, but it's just one of those. They're, they're just on the edge, and is. 
Tyrod Taylor going to bring in, bring them there? Are they going to sign a free agent quarterback or are they going to uh, lean into this rebuild is, is the question. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, right at the moment at the top of the depth chart is Tyrod Taylor, which, you know, it, it just kind of makes sense that if that's the way you're going to go, you go draft a, a, one of the rookies, but um, we'll come back to that one with some other possibilities as well. Um, same thing, Oakland Raiders. I mean, you know, Derek Carr, unrestricted free agent. They've already signaled that they're, <laughs> I, I, I don't, so they've said that they're going to make a pretty substantial offer to Tom Brady. Based on that, I don't know how you go back to, to Derek Carr. Right. Like if you if you if if you show that you're willing to pay 60 million dollars over two years to a 42 year old living legend, but still 42 years old, uh, it, it shows you how much confidence they have in Derek Carr. So the Derek Carr era is is over. I mean, is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think once once John Gruden came in, I think that that his days were numbered anyway. And yeah. then you talk about, I don't, I don't think they're, they think they're going to win next year, but they, but the ownership definitely needs to get a fan base going in Las Vegas. And I think there, there's two ways they go about this. It's either they get a big name like Tom Brady to get people in the seats or they go big and try and make that offense just like a juggernaut. And that means like throwing Jameis Winston in there and just chucking the ball. I think that's the two ways they go about it. Uh, but yes, I do believe Derek Carr is out. Either way, I think that all of the skill positions there will be in a better position next year. I mean, the only way they aren't is if they bring in somebody like Teddy Bridgewater or Jacoby Brissett or Andy Dalton, which I don't think they can do uh, just because they're moving. So I think Tyrell Williams, while he will, he won't be the quote-unquote wide receiver one anymore because I do believe that they have to go wide receiver in this draft. Um, Hunter Renfro, I think, is if, he ha- if he's healthy, should be the top wide receiver on the – um, depth chart right now, but if they pick up somebody like Jerry Judy, CD Lamb, one of those guys, then I think he takes a step back. But I still like him as a slot option because he he definitely showed some good stuff last year. Um, Darren Waller, I think I, it's it, that one's going to be tough, but I think he's still a huge asset because he's so fast and so big that it's hard to guard him. He's much like a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle. Um, not not as much of it the the red zone threat, but he will get plenty of targets. So I just, I would feel good about the Raiders that you have, because I think that their situation gets better with car gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so too. I mean, it seems like they're, they're going to be a little bit more invested in that offense without car. Like it almost feel, it, it almost felt like sabotage a little bit. I, we knew that John Gruden didn't, you know, he wasn't excited about Derek Carr and then he puts just the worst possible offense around him. And it was, it, it, it felt like it, it just felt like that was, uh, it was like he did that on purpose to me. But, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to get back to those two once we, uh, we get to kind of the free agency pool. Um, 
So let's move on to the AFC. Actually, you pick it. Which division do you want to go let's to? Let's the West. Let's go to the NFC West. NFC West. Okay. So we've got three of the four positions are set at the minimum, um, possibly that fourth. So let's- yeah, well, so, okay, you feel, comfortable. <laughs> you feel comfortable with Russell Wilson. Nothing's going on there. Arizona's not going anywhere with Kyler, but let's actually talk about Arizona yeah. really quick because you got Larry Fitzgerald coming back. Christian Kirk is there. Isabella, um, Keyshawn Johnson, and then everybody forgets Hakeem Butler, but Hakeem Butler, though he had a late breakout, yeah. I mean, he was your favorite wide receiver last year. He was my favorite wide receiver. I don't think he was the number one wide receiver, but he was my favorite coming out because he's an athletic freak who had a huge final season. So we forget about that guy. So how do you feel about Kyler Murray going into his second season first and how that affects – and how do you think that affects those skill positions? So the part of the problem here is um, his ADP right now is – you know, second round, uh, he's going ahead of far more established quarterbacks. Like, uh, I mean, he, I, I, he goes ahead of Dak Prescott quite a bit. Um, sometimes even goes ahead of Russell Wilson. Uh, certainly that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's too much. Right. Um, he's going ahead of Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I know that you don't care about that, but that to me, that's pretty egregious in it. So I, you know, it, it's a pretty chalky pick to say that that there's a breakout coming, you know, that year two breakout for Kyler Murray. I just I can't imagine a scenario where he breaks out to a point of justifying that ADP. I don't see it. I mean, it, you know, you you you've got that rushing floor with him. That's great. the The receiving core is. I mean, there's a lot of them, but it, they're. I don't know. Christian Kirk's your top guy. I I don't I, I don't feel great about that receiving core. Um, it, it you know for the as far as the actual weapons go, I it makes me even less interested in them. The fact that you know number one, there's so many of them. Like it gets really the fantasy production gets really diluted in the passing game. Um, number two, I mean we're we're a lot of what we're projecting from Kyler Murray is based around that, that rushing upside. So, you know, anytime he takes off and runs, that means one of your wide receivers isn't getting the ball. So, you know, I, I, I don't feel great about it for any of his weapons and for Kyler. I think, you know, I, I, I think that he's, he, I would say he's got probably quarterback one overall upside. Mm, I just I don't, don't think like he's going to get there. I don't think he's going to get particularly close. Like the, I fine, I get the upside, but a lot of people think, oh, he's he's a smaller Lamar Jackson. But I mean, the smaller mm-hmm. part makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson, and I have to look up Lamar Jackson's size, but Kyler Murray, five ten, he's probably under. I think he's shorter than that. I think he's like under, five eight. I think he's under two hundred pounds. I think. Yeah. They were a little bit generous at the combine, and he probably, like I said um, on the last podcast we did, he probably drank, chugged like a gallon of water to gain some weight. Um, but I mean, as many people and, and you in particular are are wary of those running quarterbacks and, and Lamar Jackson, yeah. and I'm sure that people are kind of sick of hearing <laughs> about about running quarterbacks and about Kyler Murray's size and whatever. But Lamar Jackson six two two hundred. 
10 pounds. And I'm guessing he's probably a little bit bigger after being or a little bit more stockier after being in the NFL. I mean, Kyler Murray's a small dude. And last year he ran for um, five. Sorry. Uh, now I'm trying to find it. Oh, God. Ooh. 544 yards in 16 games. Mm-hmm. Lamar, Lamar Jackson broke the all-time rushing record last year and was on pace to do it in in uh, 2018 when he had 695 yards and seven games started. So let's not compare those two because Lamar Jackson is a better runner than Kyler. Uh, Lamar Jackson has more shiftiness. Kyler's more straightaway speed. And he's so much smaller that he can be taken down a lot easier. So that's one issue with his running. But last year, he only, I mean, he only threw the ball 542 times for, I mean, 3,700 yards, which is fine in a relatively high volume offense. I mean, I would have to look at time per time per play, but he didn't like blow the, blow the league out of the water in terms of his, his throwing ability. Um, he only had 20 touchdowns and I mean, it's not like that gets better unless they start using Hakeem Butler or get a tight end because they don't really have that, um, guy in the red zone that you can go to. I, I agree that he probably has that upside, but I would rather have like a guy like Josh Allen than Kyler Murray right now, because Josh Allen's bigger stockier dude runs the ball just as well right now. And I felt throws the ball just as well. And I don't think he has the chance of injury like Kyler does. Throws the ball. Wow. I, I, I don't know if I agree with the, the passing accuracy side of that. Um, but he throws the but ball I, far deeper. There's definitely that. Uh, yeah, he's not going to be accurate, but he can throw it a mile. That's for sure. I, I, I put actually those two in the exact same basket. Um, I, I, you know, stature wise, I get it. And, and that's the thing. I mean, anytime you, you have one of these running quarterbacks, um, you know, you've got to, you've got to put quarterback one overall upside on them. Like for one year, they can absolutely do it. The, the, the problem is, you know, it's, it's a lot harder for Kyler and Josh Allen to even get to that point just because, you know, these with, with, so with Lamar Jackson, we're talking about designed runs. Like that's a lot of I, yes and no. I I do agree, but I mean, I also think that he is a a much better runner in or making, sure. making room for himself, uh, running lanes for himself. Sure, yeah, he can he can do that. But they also they run a lot more designed runs than you know Buffalo or Arizona, and especially in Arizona when you're running four wide receiver sets. I mean, you're not going to run design. You're you're not going to run designed runs out of that formation. You well, know, you're, so you're taking not, way too many blockers off the field. In so the, that's a knock on on Kyler, then though. Is yeah, a, yeah, that's what his upside is rushing the ball, right? Is that where you're yeah, getting that? I get yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's that's kind of where uh, you know the you differentiate between first of all between Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Is the fact that Lamar Jackson, you know, again, they're 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 getting you kind of in a power formation, and then a, a designed run with with Lamar Jackson. With Kyler Murray, though, I mean, the, again, you're not going to put four wide receivers out there and then for a designed run. 
Like that's just, you know, that that's bad offensive scheming. And that's, it's going to cut into the volume that it would take for Kyler Murray to have the type of rushing upside that Lamar Jackson has. So, so, and so to me, that means that unless they're playing faster, which I believe they played, were like top three in the league in terms of their pace. Yeah. Kyler Murray only thrown for 3,700 yards. Yes, he combined for uh, 4,200, but mm-hmm. that to me limits his upside. Like, yeah. And and then you have to say, okay, well, if his upside is a little bit limited because he's not going to, I mean, maybe breaks 4,000 yards, but that's about as much as I would feel comfortable giving him. And they have four, even five pass catchers on the field at a time with David Johnson, who I think they, they have to bring back because of contract situation, meaning Kenan Drake is gone. Yeah. So, I mean, the only one that I'm really trusting next year specifically is Christian Kirk because, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald was fine. There were, there were points in time where he was good last year. Can't trust Keyshawn Johnson. Can't trust uh, Andy Isabella except for that, like, 160-yard touchdown. Unless they start using Hakeem Butler – uh, I, I obviously can't trust him. And then I just don't know about a tight end in that, that offense. Cause I just don't know how they would use a tight end in that offense. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're really kind of missing that, that, that size, the, that big bodied guy. I mean, Hakeem Butler would be that was six, four. Um, and, and, you know, one of the faster 40 times at last year's combine. So, you know, they've got everything that they need. It's just a matter of actually using him in, in that way. But uh, at the moment, I mean, you know, yeah, you're kind of missing your 50, 50, you know, your, your 50, 50 ball guy. Um, You know, they don't have that, that big bodied guy who can high point the ball. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's an incomplete offense uh, with a, really kind of a gadgety quarterback. I, I don't know. I, I don't feel great about any of the offense. I think I, that there's I, a pretty high floor for Kyler yeah. Murray. And no, it's because of that rushing, that rushing upside. But and he um, was he was a key, he was a QB one last year, which yeah I mean perfectly fine. But where he, like you said, he's going according to DLF ADP, he is going as the fifth quarterback overhaul ahead of guys like Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, who I think is in the same boat, Carson Wentz. Aaron Rodgers, like you said, Jared Goff, um, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, and Matt Stafford are going to the teams, which is kind of crazy. But so yeah, I think you can, you will get get a QB one season out of him. But I mean, I think it's limited. And yeah. the only other piece I really trust in that offense is Kirk, Christian Kirk right now. Other than that, I mean, maybe D- David Johnson um, makes a a gets like that second or third chance here, but I'm not trusting that. So yeah. honestly, Kyler Murray, if you're going to pick him a little bit later, I, I'm perfectly fine with him as your QB one, but I, I he's going too early. And I just, while that offense is relatively high flying and could be a, a, or should be more so in the second season, it's spread out so much that there's not really a lot you can trust outside of Christian Kirk. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I, I think that a lot of people are chasing that, you know, that second year quarterback breakout narrative. And I think that Kyler Murray is, is kind of the, um, you know, he's, he's the natural fit for that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, you know, last year by that logic, it should have been a Baker Mayfield breakout. And it certainly wasn't that right. You know, the year before that, it should have been, 
Uh, I mean, I Mitchell Trubisky, I guess, should should have been the breakout. So you know, the these it, it it's usually not the the chalky quarterback that has that big breakout. So that you know, back to Drew Locke. That's that's your guy. Daniel Jones, I think, is in the conversation as well. Maybe even Gardner Minshew, but. It's not going to be Kyler Murray. He's not going to be the one that makes that big leap and justifies this, you know, early second round ADP. That's that's not going to happen. Um, let's see, Jared Goff. I guess that's the other one that we need to talk about here in the NFC West. Three straight years is a quarterback one. <laughs> uh, I mean, all three times he was the quarterback 12 overall. So all you would have to do is, uh, you know, move that, move that line one spot. And, uh, and he hit, you know, he would have failed to be a quarterback one uh, so far in his career, but. No, last year he was QB six. So Jared Goff. Yeah. What am I looking at? Where did I find this? Um, okay. Well, it sure didn't feel like it, did it? Oh, that year it did. Um, but he, he was very inconsistent. Uh, so, but I, I, I see your point though, is there's a level of inconsistency to Jared Goff week in week out that it's like, can I trust him this week? Um, they, they're, uh, the Rams, Offensive philosophy in the second half really changed, and I don't really know why, because uh, unless it was because Brandon Cooks was injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I believe I heard or read that they had played in something like 70% of their snaps in 11 personnel, which they had played in like 90-some in 2018. And then the second half, they just – I can't remember the percentage, but it fell off. And I and I think it largely had to do with Brandon Cooks and his concussions. Um yeah. So I, I think you know what you're getting with Jared Goff, though. It's like, okay, he's not going to be the the world world beater, but you're probably getting a QB one, and he's still relatively young. So I, I think for in terms of dynasty, I mean, where he's going right now is QB thirteen, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I think his ceiling is around that uh, top five QB. I don't think he'll be the a top three, but top five, sure. Floor kind of right now is like bottom QB one, high QB two. And if you're going to, and it depends on how your strategy, like for me, him as in my QB one, I would be perfectly fine with, because I generally go, especially in startups, like I'll take a QB in the third and fourth or even fourth and fifth, and then wait to get my third, like in the seventh or eighth and him being my QB one. If I could get somebody like Goff Stafford, and then let's say Minshew, like I feel pretty good about that quarterback room. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get the ceiling from those guys, but I'm going to get a floor from from at least two of those guys, and I'm fine with it. Um, in terms of the pass catchers, though, he could end up bouncing back next year because I feel pretty good about Brandon Cooks coming back. Uh, I think he's in for a bounce back. Um, and if they bring Robert Woods back, I th- – I think one of the main uh, their pass catchers are going to be good because they have Higby, they still have Everett, so their pass catchers are going to be fine. The issue is the offensive line; they need to because they're old and they lost a couple guys on the offensive line to retirement, etc. So that's the issue. If they get a couple offensive linemen in the free agency and 
the draft, I feel a lot better about Jared Goff going into the season. Yeah, this so 2019 was essentially worst case scenario for Jared Goff. I mean, you know, the the injuries to all of the wide receivers, um, you know, they all ended up I, Robert Woods, I think, mostly stayed healthy, but the rest of the uh, the other guys missed some time. Um, you know, Everett was in and out of the lineup. Uh, the offensive line was, was like you said, I mean, you know, injured a lot of the season and just kind of generally old. Um, I, and, and he still manages quarterback one numbers. So I, I think you got to feel good about that. So what I actually am curious about looking at ADP here, uh, to me, he might be too low. I want to see what you think about this because immediately above him, Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers, either of those guys, like, do you feel better about those guys than Jared Goff? <laughs> this feels like a trap. Just do it. Just do it. I think, I think you need to throw uh, Admiral Akbar in here. It's a trap. Uh, <laughs> it is. God. Probably, yes. I, you feel better about golf? I think so because, I mean, we all know how I actually feel about – I mean, I do actually feel like that about Aaron Rodgers. I'm not just trying to make John mad. So you, so you say. <laughs> so part of it, though part of it is, is fun. Yeah. You, you do the same thing to me with Alvin Kamara, et cetera, so you shut Oh, your- yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You've but, got you've got a lot of guys you're wrong about too. Okay, I'm not wrong about them. I I know I'm right, but it's fine. You know how to get my goat with those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I do truly feel that Aaron Rodgers, at this point in his career, while he has those ceiling games, has more of a uh, kind of a he's a glorified game manager, I suppose. How I look at him, like they don't need him to throw the ball a ton because they have that running game. They're building that defense um, back up. So, and then with Daniel Jones, it's like, I just don't know. Like he's a big arm guy. He actually looked good at times last year, but Jared Goff has done it three years in straight. So would you rather have the consistency with Jared Goff? I, I still have personally have questions about Aaron Rodgers. I know you're taking Rodgers ahead of Goff, mm-hmm. but Daniel Jones just hasn't proven anything at this point. So yeah, yeah, I do believe that I would take Jared Goff above those two. I'm probably take. I mean, Joe Burrow's going at ten too. I'm taking him above Joe Burrow. Thank you. I think, I think, and maybe I drop. I just drop Baker out of the top ten anyway. So mm-hmm. he's probably. I mean, for me, I would say Jared Goff is QB nine right now. You would take Josh Allen over over yes. Jared Goff. Okay, and that. And that that's an admittance, people. Like I <laughs> Josh Allen last year, he proved me wrong. He's still not a great passer, but he did enough. And when he has his legs, he's he's a good fantasy quarterback, and that's what we're talking about here is fantasy. So, yes, I, Jared Goff is my QB nine right now. Okay, that sounds about right. Um, uh, yeah, I I still might take him over Josh Allen, but again, I I I don't. I, I, I don't really uh I don't love the the rushing the running quarterbacks. I mean, they've got that upside for one year, but it's it, it, at some point you've got to throw the ball <laughs> like if you're a quarterback. But I mean, Josh Allen's a big boy. Like his yeah, his propensity to get injured is much smaller than say a Kyler Murray. Sure. So while he, while 
it's not – I mean, he, he's definitely more, quote-unquote, injury-prone than those who just stand in the pocket. He's probably he's much more durable than those smaller running quarterbacks. So I'm not yeah. as concerned about his r- running. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, but I think I agree with you on Baker. I, I just I, – I feel like Jared Goff is, is kind of a safer pick right now. We don't know for sure what we've got with Baker. We've, we've got – you know, basically two seasons of uh, for a sample size and to very mixed results. So, um, I mean, so he in in terms of fantasy points per game in uh, let me look at twenty eighteen here. Uh, in terms of fantasy points per game in twenty eighteen, Baker was the QB fifteen. Yeah. Wow, really? He wasn't even that good in twenty eighteen. Yeah. But in uh, 20, um, 2019, he was like QB 26. So not only has he not finished as a QB1 at any point in his career, he got worse. And, yeah. yes, you can attribute that to Freddie Kitchens. You can attribute that to um, the I, their left tackle trade to, to New York. But at the same time, he had better weapons last year. Or in in 2019. So, I mean, it like you said, it's a mixed bag, and I would rather not take the risk of Baker, and just keep with that safe floor of Jared, Jared Goff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, I guess, is is one guy that we. I mean, technically, he's a starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. It sounds like they might they could be in play uh, for free agency, which would mean moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. I think and, they're moving on anyway, regardless of the news that came out today. Yeah. Um, so, all right, let, let's just break this down here. So, Tom Brady, there's le- like real rumors, like real legitimate rumors that Tom Brady can can go to San Francisco, which is hilarious because it's basically Tom Brady trying to keep Jimmy Garoppolo down again. But <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo would be on the books for twenty six point six million dollars next year if they kept him versus a $4.2 million dead cap hit. Yep. First and foremost, can you make the argument that he is worth $26.6 million off of the limited, well, not off of last year and the limited uh, time before that? And that's not a question. That's asking you that. I I mean, I I think that you, you could in, you know, a normal year for the quarterback market. Okay. Well, it, and I, I don't here. And this is why I think he, I, I get like, I've, he got I got you to the Super Bowl, by the way. Yeah, I, I understand that. And I have, I've gotten some blowback, especially from 49ers fans that I think he will be cut regardless mm-hmm. because of that $22 million savings. And that's because what Nick Mullins did in 2018 versus what Jimmy Garoppolo did in 2019 are very similar. Nick Mullins being, I believe, an undrafted free agent. Yep. And again, Jimmy Garoppolo being worth $26.6 million next year. So that's my argument is Nick Mullins can step into that Jimmy Garoppolo role. And I don't think they lose a beat because that team is built on running the ball and that team is built on defense. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, if Tom Brady goes there, Jimmy Garoppolo is gone. So I think there's two avenues where Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer the San Francisco 49ers starting quarterback. And that's why, I mean, I wouldn't be investing in Jimmy G whatsoever because I, I think he's gone and I don't know where he starts. 
Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, again, it's it's just this quarterback market that just. Oh, I, agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> like the Chargers. Okay, fine. That probably makes sense. Other than that, like, can you name a a vacancy? Maybe the Titans if they move on from Tannehill. The Titans, uh, to me, Tampa Bay would make sense. I mean, we'll we'll get into all of this a little bit later, but yeah, I mean, I I think that there's still a market for that type of quarterback. Uh, I I I do agree that 26 million is probably exorbitant for, um, you know, for for a game manager, especially when there's so many game managers available. Uh, but um, I I I think that there's a market you know, at the right price. Um, it, it would also be a, you know, in any other year, it would be a tough move to make uh, to, you know, to, to cut outright the quarterback who just got you to the Super Bowl, especially after, I mean, they, the, this very same 49ers team essentially did that the last time they went and lost the Super Bowl. So um, yeah, it, they don't you know, really need a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, like a star quarterback, which, which yeah. is why the Tom Brady thing wouldn't make any semblance of sense to me because you're already paying a dude almost thirty million dollars right now. I get mm. it. Tom Brady's got that clutch gene in him that may help you, and it would have helped them in the Super Bowl. But at the same time, it's like mm, thirty million dollars, or let's play Nick Mullins. Let's build this defense up to be an absolute juggernaut that, I mean, can't be stopped or stops everything, and then go that way. So it, there's two different philosophies at play here. Yeah, definitely. What's a, uh, what's a division in both the AFC and the NFC that we can get through here in about eight minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably the NFC. I can't say the North. Well, yeah, we could do the North. All right, let's do it. Let's, uh, let's start with the AFC. Um, don't have to talk about Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that we should. I mean, I it, you you don't feel. It, I mean, you've you've got to feel confident about Lamar Jackson. But uh, to what extent? I mean, ha, or, or, or do you have any concerns about some negative regression? I uh, like that. That has to happen, right? Like in in terms of his touchdown percentage, sure. I mean, nine nine yeah. percent touchdown percentage is ridiculous. I do think that they will. I well, I should say, I hope that they would throw the ball more next yeah. year. Um, he only threw the ball four hundred times, uh, ran the ball uh, one hundred seventy six times. So I would think that trying to keep your QB healthy is probably and understanding that you are elite and for the next couple, three years while Lamar Jackson is still your quarterback, they probably need to throw the ball more. They've been building up those pass catchers. Mark Andrews took a monster step this year. Hollywood Brown had had flashes this year, got the screw out of his foot, which was affecting him last year. So he should be better this year. I think Miles Boykins is it. Uh, Miles Boykin, sorry, is extremely underrated. So he could take a step next year. So I think they're primed to continue to be great on offense. It's just whether you want those pass catchers. So I think you want my, I think you want um, Hollywood. I think you want Andrews. I would be investing in Miles Boykin just because of the fact that he's going to be so cheap that it's worth it. So I, 
I mean, I still think you're going to probably throw 450 times. I think they throw a little bit more. His touchdown percentage will drop a little bit, but I still think you're looking at 25 plus touchdowns. I think there's plenty of, um, plenty to go around between the three pass catchers because there's not much after that, right? Yeah. 25 passing touchdowns. Yes. And then probably, yeah, I mean, five to 10 rushing touchdowns. But with Lamar Jackson, it doesn't really matter because you're still probably going to get over a thousand yards again. Wow. Okay. Um, It's going to be one of those rare times where I'm not going to uh, contest you on this at all. So you might as well do your worst. What is the floor for Lamar Jackson in 2020? In ter- just in terms of, of fantasy finish at the quarterback top position. Top five. I, it, it's hard. Top five. It, yeah, I just QB, I think QB5 is his floor. It's hard to predict QB1 seasons year in, year out. Yeah. But his rushing upside is just so high that, like, you, I guarantee you he won't – as long as he stays – and that's, I think, the big issue is as long as he stays healthy – he will not finish outside of the top five. Okay. All right. That's fair. And I mean, we're not in the business of trying to predict injuries. So no, um, and, and we'll right. I mean, honestly, as a Lamar Jackson fan, like I'm not opposed to selling him right now. Like his, his yeah. value is through the roof. And yes, I can recognize that he, while he does not take hits very often, he does a good job of getting out of bounds. He does a job, good job of avoiding hits just because he's putting himself out there on the field and running makes him more um more prone to injury yeah yeah definitely um okay that's fair i'll uh like i said i'm I'm not gonna contest you on that at least not right now i mean we might we might get into it uh down the down the line somewhere but for this episode um we'll just keep it moving so on to cincinnati i mean it looks like joe burrow but i mean technically that that position is is still up in the air. So what I mean, if it is Joe Burrow, how do you feel about? I, it's it's going to be tough as a rookie QB to put up big yeah. numbers, but if there's a spot where he lands that he could do it, it's in Cincinnati to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to have weapons everywhere. He's going to have, you know, he's going to have AJ Green. He's going to have Tyler Boyd, uh, John Ross, Auden Tate. Um, I don't, I, I don't know for sure what the deal is at tight end, and maybe they address it in free agency. I mean, maybe Eric Ebron makes some sense there. But Austin Hooper, Austin Hooper would be a great one. I, yeah, Austin Hooper would be a great fit. Um, they they put significant draft capital into Drew Sample last year. I believe he was a second round pick. Second, or yeah, third but he, pick. I mean, he's more of a blocker than anything. Yeah. Yeah, but he's going to be on the field, yeah. um, you know, with that that amount of draft capital, and that's always a path to fantasy production. So, um, but anyways, yeah, weapons everywhere. Uh, the one thing about it is, is Zach Taylor's system, I think, is is fairly complex. Uh, well, so he comes from the um, Sean McVay coaching tree. Yeah. And if real and I and I likened this to them last year. Now, obviously, having the quarterback situation that you do and the offensive line situation that they did, yeah, not going to be the same as the Los Angeles Rams. But if you look at their personnel, you have John Ross, who is the Brandon Cooks. You have um, Tyler Boyd, who is Cooper Cup, and you have AJ Green, who is an older Robert Woods, and then you have Joe Mixon, who is 
a better Todd Gurley at this point. So they just need to build that offensive line. If they get Joe Burrow in there, like Joe Burrow, I, I, again, I don't think you can say, okay, he's going to be a QB one, but at the same time with those pass catchers, if AJ green's healthy, if John Ross is healthy, if they do get a tight end in there, I think, and there, I understand there's a lot of ifs, and that's why you can't guarantee anything. But if those things happen, he could be a QB one this year, and I would yeah. feel I would feel good about Boyd Green. I, I'm not so much John Ross because I think he's more of a take the top off, and he he'll have those boom bust games. So he's a good best ball type player. But everybody else, I feel good about. Yeah, um, Jonah Williams. There, uh, he was the 11th overall pick in the first round last year. Um, their offensive tackle. He's going to be their left tackle, and then. I mean, he he tore his ACL, I believe, in uh, in, in OTAs, minicamp, something yeah. like that. Like he didn't even uh, he didn't get particularly close to so the he should, he should be ready by the se- by the time the season comes around. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, it's almost like signing a, a a free agent second year left tackle, you know, with first round pedigree. Like, you know, it it, it doesn't happen very often that you just just out of nowhere, get that type of boost to your offensive line. That was a really pretty big problem last year. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, he walks into a great situation, but yeah, it's, it's still a little tough for me to, uh, to project any rookie quarterback ever for, you know, for Mm -hmm. a quarterback, one type of season. Well, and especially because he's not a, like you could have done it for Kyler Murray last year. Sure. With that rushing. Yeah. When he's got the rushing, but that's not Joe Burrow. So yeah, he has weapons around him. I feel better about those weapons with Joe Burrow than I did with Andy Dalton. Yeah. But you, uh, on the flip side, you just cannot expect him to be a QB one in year one. Yeah, definitely. Um, Let's see. So uh, Cleveland, uh, we he talked is, about making yeah, I mean, I'm I don't know is yeah. the big thing here because Jarvis, I we don't know if OBJ is gonna still be there. Jarvis Landry, I believe he can be cut, but I don't I, they would be I think crazy to cut him because he was far and away the best wide receiver last year for them. Yeah. Um they have weapons. I mean, Najoku was injured, but he I mean, he's going into year three as a tight end who Frankly, was just a he was like Mike Gesicki, like he was a freak of nature athlete, but he hadn't played the position very much. Um, so he could end up being a guy that you need to buy at tight end. But it's, I mean, like I like we said, that offense is if they can get that offensive line fixed and with um, the their their new scheme coming in, it could be pay dividends to get Baker, and it could help. OBJ, it can help Jarvis Landry. Could and you, like I said, you have David Njoku and um, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, who is an underrated pass catcher in his own right. It's a good offense on paper, but we said that I that was the argument James and I made last year was it's a great offense on paper. You just have to you you just have to execute execute it out there on the field, and they didn't. Yeah. Um, but with a new coach, new coaching scheme, but again. A Stefanski brand new coach. Like they I, what are they doing there? They did <laughs> it reminded me of the Broncos and when they hired Josh McDaniels. And and but they decided to go with John Fox, which I I, I think was a great decision because John Fox helped rebuild that organization again. The the Browns doubled down on rookie head coaches. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, that, that's crazy to me. 
Now, hopefully it's a better offensive system, but I, I still think a lot of questions are out there. Is Baker the guy that we saw his rookie year or his second year? Is Kevin Stefanski's system going to be better for them this year? I don't know. I, I just don't. Yeah. So I, I, so, I mean, based on ADP, you've got to take Baker Mayfield as the seventh quarterback off the board. Uh, even with Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, those guys are still there. Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, like these are all guys who, to me, they're in the conversation, but you've got to reach past all those guys to take Baker Mayfield. It's too rich for my blood, but what I would say is, it, you know, if you were going to take Baker Mayfield at his ADP, I think the, the move is to go quarterback again right away. Yeah. You know, I, I think a guy like, like Jared Goff, like Matt Ryan, you know, guys like that, Carson Wentz. I think those guys would fit with with Baker Mayfield. Aaron Rodgers could even could even be a fit with Baker Mayfield. I, I essentially you're kind of looking for a high floor uh to go along with Baker Mayfield's almost complete lack of a floor. Right. It's one of those things where Baker Mayfield Field could very well be your QB one, but he's just not safe enough for me to trust that where I need to pick up a Matt Stafford, a Matt Ryan, a Kirk cousins that will, I know will be a QB one next year. That way I feel good. about. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then finally we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, which I mean, I think that Ben Roethlisberger might have the most secured job in the NFL after what we just saw without him. Um, the only question would be what happens if he does not come back fully healthy. I, I can't imagine that they go into the season with Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges. It, it's interesting because we get news that he is throwing the ball, which is great. And But the, the other issue is, like you said, if he's not fully healthy, we're well past free agency where it's like, okay, we can bring another guy in. So do you look at a, I would feel so bad if this happened, Teddy Bridgewater to come in and back up Ben just in case, where you know he can be a starter and he could yeah. be the future starter. Um, so it's 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 very tough where it's like, okay, or maybe trade for Nick Foles. Maybe that's the thing. But if it's if it's been if it's been, you feel a lot more comfortable with Juju. Juju was still like, I believe, the wide receiver seven when Ben played in the first two games. Like everybody was kind of oh god juju but juju was fine when ben was there it was when mason rudolph and duck hodges came in that it would that everything went to shit yeah <laughs> but it, let's just say let's just say they bring in nick full like they trade for nick Foles. um i honestly i still wouldn't feel terrible about that because i still think nick Foles can be a starter in the nfl True. and he's probably the best backup in the nfl um even with Gar- if Gardner Minshew starts. So uh, I think the situation is better regardless in Pittsburgh. I do think Ben will be fine. He will come back. Um, but I th- that, the thing is they have the defense and the, the other pieces around him to make it work with Foles. They just need to get a competent quarterback in there, and definitely Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges were not those. Yeah. Yeah. I I wonder we we kind of talked about this on uh one of the episodes when um when you were hanging out in the bomb shelter for the month. Yep. Uh 
and I don't remember, I, I, I really want to give credit to the co-hosts. I mean, I would imagine Brian Haar since as a Steelers fan, um, but I don't remember for sure. But anyways, we talked about a possible scenario here where maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers trade for Cam Newton. Um, very similar playing style to Ben Roethlisberger, you know, the similar stature, um, more muscle than fat, but, you know, otherwise just kind of a big quarterback, power running style, um, big arm down the field, uh, probably not as accurate as Ben, but um, certainly younger and uh, very possibly healthier at this point, um, which is kind of crazy to say after the issues that we just had with Cam Newton. But, um, you know, if 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 they didn't feel like Ben Roethlisberger was going to come back at 100%, how do you feel about, you know, the situation, uh, the, the weapons, et cetera, uh, with – you know, with Cam Newton sliding in there as a starter. Well, I, I think I think it just is one of those. We just saw how bad it can get. It cannot get any worse than it was last year. Like it can't. <laughs> it's not so, vote of confidence, by the way. But yeah. Well, no. I mean, it's fine. Like I don't like Cam as a passer, mm-hmm. but he's far and away better than Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Like yeah. he's still a competent passer. So regardless of who comes in there. Whether it be Ben, whether it be Cam, whether it be Jameis. <laughs> no, don't do that. Um, but whether it be any any free agent quarterback, if Ben isn't ready, I feel better about the situation than I did last year. So that's why I'm buying guys like Juju and Deontay Johnson, who will just have a better situation overall. I mean, Deontay Johnson, who I think is in for a second-year breakout, um, I think he was 101st in terms of, catch rate and then like sixth in terms of terms of true catch rate and that's just how bad the quarterback play was so it's just it's going to get better better regardless so i don't i don't care if ben's not ready whoever they bring in whether it be and i would think nick Foles would be the target there is it's going to be better than what they had yeah that sounds right so last week uh you and brian hard went over um you guys went over some possible 2020 breakouts uh i remember deontay johnson coming up i don't remember which one of you brought him it was me yeah okay i i i did it to appease brian with his uh (laughs) fandom yeah well there's some there's some extra credibility to it when it's not a steelers fan too so sorry um, all right so sorry um let's uh let's let's go ahead and uh we're we're just gonna break this into two episodes because yep. uh this is uh, this is already gone long uh we we shouldn't have started with the broncos because we yeah. looked at a full <laughs> clock and said hey we can talk about drew lock forever but yeah we needed to uh get through that one a little faster so anyways we're gonna we're gonna cut it off here and uh we'll be right back with part two <laughs> <laughs>